from the Philadelphia Phillies to the New England Patriots, and everything in between. It's the John and Lebo Show with your hosts, John Sokoloff and Alex Lebowitz. Hello, welcome to the John Lebo Show. I'm in uh, Andover, you're in Ithaca, and we got another week. A lot of stuff happened in this past week that we'll get to later, but first off, John, how you doing? How was the week? How was the week that was? How was your previous weekend? How have you been since we last spoke? It's good. I had some people from your year uh, come visit me for uh, the Cortica Jug, the biggest little game in the nation. Um, they came by. I think it won for the first time in, in seven years. So was it I, seven years or was it nine? I thought it was 09. Was Last time they won was 09, so I know you're not very good at math, but that would have been eight years since they've won, so the first time in eight years. You sure about that? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it's cool. It's Thanks. cool that they won. Am I am I am I a dick that I don't care about Ithaca College winning the Cortica Jug like at all? Like I literally like do not care whatsoever if they win. I mean, you do hate fun. Fun. You see, this is I hate this reputation I have. I think it's unfair. I think it's it, it's baseless. Um, I just don't care if they win. I'm just not a huge. I cover Division three athletics. It doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I'm gonna root for it. Doesn't mean that I'm gonna have an affiliate blind affiliation with the team. Uh, full of people that I really don't really care all that much about. Nothing against them personally. I just don't. I just don't care. I just don't care at all. I'm proud to go to Ithaca College, but I'm just like, I I don't give a shit. I have no. Real, the only tie I have is I went there. But if you go to like a Division three school where it's Division three athletics and you're like full boat, like really into it, like I love this team. Like you have you have some problems. Like realistically, I'm happy they won. It's good the thing that they won. Yeah, you don't but hate I, you hate you don't hate you don't hate fun. You just uh, bash uh, school pride completely. <laughs> it's not about school pride. It's if about you love support. your team, if you love your D three team, you have a problem. That that's my problem. If you love your D three team, you have an issue. Did you hear? Did you hear the the men's volleyball team? They made it to the Sweet Sixteen. I can't believe it. Who gives a shit? Who cares? It's ball. It's volleyball. It's like. I don't care. I don't care about the soccer team. I don't care about the lacrosse. The lacrosse team was the number two team in Division Three. That's great. They'd be the last place team in Division One. I. I really don't give a shit. I really don't give two. I. I just don't. I covered it. I think. I think that's what you have to be though. If you're in media, aren't you supposed to be objective? Like I. And I know this is probably this is probably bad for me to say because I held the position where I covered like every single one of these teams. But I wasn't. I was removed from the fandom of it. Which I think is good. I think you know. I don't. I hate when people go to schools and like right off the bat, they're just like, "Oh, I love this team. This team. I love this team. They they've been my favorite team for life." No, they haven't. They've been a team that you've rooted for no for a week says, and a half. No one. No one says that they've been their favorite team for life. I've never heard a single person. But people act like I've they're lifelong. Here and have some. I've never. I've never seen someone sh- be an excessive fan. I've never seen someone be an excessive fan. I'm sorry. There, there are a, a boatload of. I'm not going to name names, but there's a ton of people who who act like like Ithaca College football is their life, and and it's like you really need to like just figure out your priorities, man. Um, that's my that's my beginning of the show rant. They won, congratulations. It's irrelevant. Who gives a shit? They didn't they didn't make it to the, to the playoffs. But it's good. It's a good thing they won. It's good. I don't like Cortland. I, I, I don't like Cortland more than I do like Ithaca College. I'll say that much. Uh, but that's not really – there's not really that – see, I, I'm indifferent about both of them when it really comes down to it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. I, I digress. Um, so Tyrod Taylor, 
starting quarterback for the Bills or was the starting quarterback right. for the Bills. They're now five and four. They've been on a little bit of a skid. He got benched. What were your initial thoughts when you heard about Tyrod Taylor being benched? I was shocked, man. He's had a good season. He's had a really good season, but I ultimately like the move. I'm one of the very few that like the move. I'll tell you about it later, but I, I, I was a little shocked, man, because like the last few weeks, like Tyrod Taylor himself, he didn't get re- give up 34 points to the Jets. He didn't give up 47 points to the Saints. It, 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 he was able to get away from the bad offensive line of the Bills that wasn't able to protect him. He was able to extend some plays out of it. But I'll tell you why I like this move, and I like the move from McDermott. I feel like the Bills, there's always this narrative of starting out strong, like the first seven weeks of the season, seven, eight weeks, starting out strong. Maybe people being like, is this the year? And then it just ends up not being the year. I think Sean McDermott is coming in here trying to build a new culture and trying to change that. He started out this season, they were 5-2. and two. They haven't been 5-2 and two since 2011. And this is what he's trying to avoid. Look, look at them. 2011, they were 5-2, and two, finished the season 1-9. 2014, they were 5-3. and three. They finished the season below 500. 2015, 5 and 4. Nope. 2016, 4 and 2. Nope. This year, they were 5 and 2. And this has been like where they like, they've never been better than 5 and 2, like in my lifetime. And then like gotten better from it. And now they've lost two games in awful fashion. The Jets game was brutal. The Saints game. I know I like Saints. I like Marshawn Lattimore. I like um, Marcus Lattimore, excuse me. I like the Saints' new defense. They're good. But 47 10 at home, that's not a playoff team. So maybe it's not Tyrod's problem. But the McDermott's trying to avoid that same narrative that happens every year where the Bills just lose eight of their last ten or seven of their last nine. He's trying to avoid it. Nathan Peterman came into the game last week when it was a blowout. He showed him some stuff. He showed McDermott some stuff um, in practice this week. And McDermott's saying, hey, we need to change a culture for this team. We're 5-4. and four. I'm not going to let this season slip away. And if I think we can do better with Peterman and I want to change this culture, go ahead. He's trying to avoid the, this collapse at the end of the year. I agree with him. Tyrod's nothing special. He's inconsistent. Yeah, I guess like the game's like he's average. He's an average NFL quarterback. And then like he, he's not going to win the games. And they think they have a better option with Peterman. He's trying to change the culture. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I think that people have like this misconception of Tyrod Taylor that he's an elite quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. He's he's a middle of the pack quarterback. He's he's middle tier. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. Maybe if you have a team around him that's good enough, he can take you to the playoffs. But that's kind of his ceiling. It's there's not that much of a loss by benching him and going with a guy that's had to have uh, impressed you in practice. You don't just go to your fifth round pick um, for no reason. Uh, the, most of the time, when rookies play well in uh, in practice and preseason, the only reason you don't go to them is because it's a risk. You have an established starting quarterback, and you're going to ride the hot hand, the guy who's proven himself, uh, in-game. What, 10 weeks into the season, 11 weeks into the season, and the Bills are doing the same thing they do every year. Hot start, fade out. Why would you stay with the guy who's been the one constant during this stretch? Um, and, and, and not take this risk because it's not even that big of a risk because the season's going to end with the, the Bills going 500 or below 500. Or below, yeah, right. Missing, missing the playoffs uh, and, and having a disappointing year given the start that they had. So this really is 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 a low-risk, high-reward move. I don't think Peterman's right. going to do that bad, and I don't think they would go to him unless that he impressed them during practice. Tyrod Taylor is not an elite quarterback. He is not irreplaceable. He is average. He's an average NFL quarterback. End of story. 
Yeah, and I think that he, he is an average quarterback, maybe even like above average, and he showed. But he just – I think that he shows that he can be above average, but he's inconsistent. And maybe he's not the complete reason why they're losing these games. He's probably not he, – and he's helped them stay in some of these games. But they just want that change of culture. That's what it is. They want something else to come in here. They've got a couple tough games coming up, Alex, and they know, they think they know that with Tyrod, they've already lost a couple of bad games. This week they're at L.A., and then they're playing the Chiefs and the Pats, two of the better teams in the AFC. They already know that with Tyrod what they're going to get. They know the ceiling of this Peterman kid. Why not bring him in? Why not throw him in the game and see what he can do? You, you already think your season's slipping away anyway, and you think this guy has a high ceiling. Throw him in the game. Change that culture. This will show a lot about McDermott if it works. And if it doesn't, then, it'll, then you know, it'll just be another classic Bill season. But I like it. Another, another thing is – you have a guy who is is I, I'm not really too familiar with with Peterman. I don't know really what his play style, style is. He's more of a pro style quarterback though. He's not, he's not really a dual threat, is he? Because I don't really know much about. It. I haven't seen him play all that much. He, I know he came in last week, but you you bring in a different quarterback with a different skill set, and there's some benefit to that because if teams are are preparing for a guy in Tyrod Taylor that they're going to face his Absolutely. defense. You bring in a guy who's a completely different style than him, who is going to completely screw up the defensive game plan or or render it ineffective. So I, I look at that, and and I think it's a good move just because they can benefit just from the the different style of, of, of play between Taylor and Peterman. Um, and when you're going up against teams like the Chiefs and the Pats, they're good at, at game planning against quarterbacks they've gone up against before. They, I don't think they do very well against quarterbacks who are pretty good, above average, who, you know, are not what they're familiar with because they're just not prepared. Right. They're teams that that rely on being prepared, and when you change it up on them, that is a huge disadvantage for for your opponent. So, I, I think this move makes a lot of sense. I don't think it's worth freaking out over. I, I don't think Tyrod Taylor is anything special. And I think a big part of those collapses midseason from the Bills that we've seen is they come out the season strong because. Let's face it, like it's it's a lot mental at this point because they they've had some good teams, like their defenses have been good and they've had some good offenses, but they just haven't been able to make those adjustments. And I think this is an adjustment. Mid season, it's an adjustment. It's a change. We don't know if it'll work, but they're trying to adjust. And with a guy like Peterman, if he's got a high ceiling, NFL teams don't really know what to expect from what are they going to watch? Just tape from Pitt. They don't know what he's going to bring. So I think that's also an advantage. So obviously, this does have a big. Big percentage of chance to backfire, but ultimately, I, I think I, I like it. I like the change. I think I think it's exciting. The Bills season is always exciting. You know, is this going to be the year they do it? Is it not? Oh, they're starting off an exciting start. Oh, they've lost their last couple. There's always a story with them, and this is just another one. I like it. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. I don't think there's anything to lose. Let Let's move on. Um, my show is is over for the season. Picks can press pass on WCAP. Uh, but next Thursday, it's in the works. I don't know if it's official, but I'll probably be calling a game, doing a little play-by-play, John, uh, for some high school football. Should be a good one out there in Haverhill. Right, uh, it's right on the border or right next to the border of New Hampshire. So it should be fun going up north to call that one. That's Thursday Thanksgiving morning. It's old turkey bowl, as they call it. So tune into that. But right now, Call let's the game on Thanksgiving. Wow, there you go. Well, that's a high school thing. They do it. They do it everywhere. Um, it should be yeah, fun. Still, yeah. Um, all right. Um, NBA Celtics, thirteen game winning streak. We didn't know if they they completed. We had Kyrie Irving go down. Uh, the Celtics had Kyrie Irving go down a few games ago. He played two minutes after getting elbowed in the face by uh, 
by Aaron Baines, and he was out for a game or two. He's back. You know, he's masked. It's great. The Celtics are still playing really well. And tonight, they're recording this Thursday afternoon, um, they're playing the Golden State Warriors. It's going to be a hell of a game. I can't wait to watch that. It should be amazing. Um, and I think Steph Curry is playing. He was, he was he had an injury, but I think he's playing. This is at TD Garden. This is a game that that will really show us where the Celtics really are at because they haven't really played a lot of top-tier talent. They played the Cavaliers game one, almost won that game after Gordon Hayward went down. They played the Thunder, beat the Thunder, which was a great performance. They beat the Spurs, and they beat the Raptors. But outside of those teams, there's not a lot of really good competition that they've gone up against, and this is the best of the best. This will show us where they're at uh, legitimately. I'm pumped for this game. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see if this is just a really good run by this team or if they're a legitimate contender. Because if they win tonight, it's 14 in a row, and you have to seriously start questioning whether or not the Cavaliers are head and shoulders the favorite in the Eastern Conference. I know they have LeBron James. I know that the, that come playoff time, he he, he turns it on, uh, up a notch. But this Celtics team is looking unreal right now. And I don't know if LeBron James by himself, and I know IT needs to come back still. I don't know if that team can topple the Celtics. And I know we're only December, but I don't know if they can topple the Celtics down down the line. And I think this year you could realistically see this Boston team in the NBA Finals because the way they're playing right now, the way they're being coached right now, the way their defense is playing is nothing short of of spectacular. Right, and I'll tell you this. I've had the pleasure of watching like four or five Celtics games this year in their entirety, and they are fun to watch. There's a lot of big things I've taken away. Tatum's been incredible. Brown has been one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player on their team to watch that's young. But I got to tell you, man, with Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, I really think, based on what I've seen from Rozier, this guy's got a, got a ceiling. He's a gritty, great backup point guard. He can shoot a little bit. I know his three-point three percentage is down a little. It'll go up. His shot looks a little fluid. He's scrappy. He can score. His defense is great. I think that come this year, restricted free agency, a team's going to offer Marcus Smart a ton of money, and he's going to sign somewhere else, and they're going to use Rozier as as their guy, as their backup guy. Absolutely. And I, I, I really appreciate it. I love watching him play. But John, not to, not to interrupt, just real quick. Uh, have you ever seen uh, – go on YouTube and search Terry Rozier, Michael Jordan – they have the same exact shooting motion and like the same fadeaways. The only difference is Rozier's like four inches shorter, and he's not Michael Jordan. But they they it's hilarious how similar their play styles are. I'm not saying they're the same, but that's just a little funny tidbit. Look it up after the show. Go, go on. So Sorry, you're, so, you're, so you're not saying they're the same, but Terry Rozier's better than Michael Jordan. It, yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, good. Um, also, though, with your point with the Cavs, I'll, I'll show you why I'm not worried. Because I watched their game last night against the Hornets, and like obviously they wanted the Hornets, but you know, but um, that game against the Knicks, which was the most exciting game I've seen this season, I think. This is why, like, I'm not worried. They, they go into the regular season autopilot mode. That's no hot take. Everyone says that. And then, you know, but this year it's really like the worst that it's been. They were they were six and seven going into New York. LeBron's talking smack on on Twitter about uh, Frank Nilakina saying the Knicks should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. He said it was a shot at Phil Jackson. I don't know what it was. So then the New York, all New York media was really just completely trolling him. LeBron deserved it, though. And then during the game, they're down by 20. And then, like, Neil Aquino, like, whatever, there's a little scruffle between those two, cancer. So now LeBron knows everyone's watching. And then all of a sudden, 
a 43.4th quarter, and then with the game tied with 10 seconds left, LeBron hits a shot over one of the best young players in the league to go up three. That just shows the way that they came back like that, that he, he could turn it on whenever he wants. So I'm not that concerned, but it should be a great <laughs> matchup between the Celtics and Cavs. He's, but, yeah, I, he, I do To do that, that against the Knicks is one thing. It's not like he's going to do that against the Celtics. And I well, think that's just – They're playing incredible right now. They're playing great basketball. They're playing well, but they're still the Knicks, and they still don't have the same level of talent or the same level of coaching. Um, and, that, and LeBron James, he's going to be clutch. I just don't know. I, I just – I it's, he can't do it against a team like the Celtics by himself. I, I think that it's gotten to that point. I also think you have to take into consideration this season for him is is a matter of weighing his options for free agency, uh, where he's going to go next season. Attention is going to be 100% towards winning a final this season. I think it's going to be uh, – his attention will be towards where, where am I going to be the next two, three seasons in my career um, because it's not working right now. And he's doing the same thing that he always does, and he's bitching about his teammates. He's, uh, he's saying passive-aggressive bullshit like – I I haven't had a guy who can score uh, in a while. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you pushed him out of town. Now you have Isaiah Thomas who's coming in, but he'll be a free agent at the end of the year because you're not leaving or you're you're not staying. So I just – you know what? I just really hate LeBron James. This has been established. I think he's an unbelievable competitor. I think that he's a counterproductive leader at times. Uh, and, and I don't know how this team's going to look at the end of the season when you're – you have Isaiah Thomas come back from injury. You don't know how he's going to look. And you have Derrick Rose, who's, you know, who's obviously not Derrick Rose anymore. And Kevin Love, who's a softy. So this entire Cavaliers team, they're not very good outside of LeBron James. And and it's not like they have a, another superstar on that team. Because uh, guess what? Isaiah Thomas is not a superstar in my eyes. He's just not a two-way player. He, he can't get it done. I don't, I don't think he's, he's a superstar. not a superstar. He averaged 30 points a game last year. He's a superstar. He's good. He's, he's a great offensive player. player. He's a top 10 player in the league. He established himself. He's as not that a top right 10 here. player in the league. He's not a top 10. If you're saying that you would start your team, he, he'd be one of the 10 players that you'd start your team with, then you're lying to yourself. No, he's last not. year he was a top 10 player in the league. He's probably top 20. He's not top 10. Definitely not top 10. If you're if you're starting your team with, with, with I can name 10 players off the bat that I would rather have than, than, than Isaiah Thomas. That's just me, though. Um, he's good. He's good, no doubt. But he's not Kyrie Irving. Last year, he's a top 10 player? Last year, he was. He averaged 30 points a game for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. He was the best player in the, on the best team in the East. They obviously were not the best team in the East. But he was, yeah, he was the best scorer on the best team, on, on the number one seed in the East uh, because the number one team in the East uh, doesn't try during the regular season. But I, I, I don't know. I, you don't know how he's going to look. I think Isaiah Thomas, he's obviously an incredible scorer. I respect the hell out of him. But he's 5'9". He's a defensive liability. Um, and he's not going to get this, put up the same numbers with LeBron James on his team. So that, that's how I see it. I think it's a complete downgrade when you go from, from uh, Kyrie to Isaiah. So they're not even close to what they were last year. And the Celtics are a lot better than they were last year. So the gap's closing. Will the Cavaliers win the Eastern Conference Finals? I'd say they're probably the favorites. But they're by no by no means a shoe in at this point. I know we're right, in December. Right. I know this I is overanalyzing, but still, the way they're playing is cause for concern. And I know this is this is typical Cavaliers regular season play, but but still, I don't. I just don't know if LeBron can do it by himself.
Right. No, look, you're making complete valid points, I think. I, I, I think we really don't know about this Cavs team. I think it's early to assess it, but I just think based on these last couple of games that LeBron still can, uh, can lead them to, to the finals, but it's just going to make the East a lot more, um, a lot more interesting. I want to get into last night. I don't know if you got to see the game, but the Sixers, they're winners of eight of their last 11, eight and six on the year. Ben Simmons has put up the, the best numbers that a rookie has put up since Magic Johnson. Um, last night he had another great game, but that was shadowed. He had 18 points, nine uh, rebounds, 10 assists, like five steals. Though that's shadowed by Joel Embiid last night. And part of it's bad coaching by Luke Walton at the end that I'll get into in a sec. Embiid, I, I don't want to talk about this just like analyze. I'm going to talk about it as a fan, how awesome it was to watch this game. 46 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists, and seven blocks. No one's put up those numbers since Hakeem Olajuwon. Just an awesome performance to watch. Really got me, just got me pumped up watching that game. They beat the Lakers, a Lakers team that did every other part of that game to win. That was a game that just the Sixers, they shot like six of 29 from three. They missed a ton of their free throws. The Lakers made like every single free throw they took. And, and the Lakers were just outplaying the most of it. But Embiid took over the game. And part of it is Luke Walton's fault, like I mentioned before, because at the end he was just making Embiid one-on-one against, um, against Julius Randle. He didn't play Brooke Lopez or Bogut at all in the fourth. And I thought that part of that was, was a big problem. That was just an awful coaching move. They didn't even double him until like the last minute. But it was incredible to see what these two can do together. Simmons and Embiid were just dominant down the stretch, and there was no – they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him. I, th- I, I recommend, like, obviously you, I, you weren't able to watch last night, but their next game they played Golden State on Saturday night. Watch that game. Watch how they play. Watch how, how it unfolds. It, it, they're a really exciting team, and they're fun. They're a fun team to watch for the first time in a while. They're fun. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid is turning into one of the top big men, not only young big men in the league, but one of the top big men in the league with the way he's playing right now. And he, it's kind of the t- highlighting a really good slew NBA between him, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, um, there, there's a bunch of other ones that there are slipping my mind, but there's a bunch of really good big men in the NBA right now. Uh, really good, you know, Porzingis. So he's and he's among the best, and he might be the best out of all those guys with the way he's playing. And I love that there's a big physical center in the NBA now who's who's just bigger and stronger than everyone because I feel like we haven't had a guy who's been as elite um, with that skill set in a while. Um, so so to see Joel Embiid doing what he's doing is awesome for the NBA. And, and it seems like health isn't as big of, a, of an issue with him right now. Now he might be able to, to, to stay healthy, and that maybe those first three seasons were fluky. I'm willing to start to admit that. There's no doubt that his skill is, is unmatched, really, right now. For, for someone with his experience at his, at his age, um, maybe you can compare Carl Anthony Towns to him or, or AD. But what, what he's doing right now is – exceptional and with him and, and Ben Simmons coming up because Ben Simmons is looking like a really versatile well-rounded player who could fit in on any team the the Sixers future is bright it seems like it's going to be them and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference for the next decade if they keep the, the core if each team keeps these cores together so right I, it's it's awesome it's great for the NBA it's great for Philadelphia it's great for the Sixers and it's it's it, it's kind of illustrating the point that in the NBA you have to 
you have the point I've made before, because all this stuff that's going on, all these teams that are excelling are doing it through the draft. Even the Celtics acquiring Kyrie Irving is indirectly through the draft. It's it's through that asset. And you talk about Tatum and Brown, same deal. And and obviously with the Sixers getting getting Embiid and Simmons and Sarek, all these guys. I'm not going to say Fultz yet because we haven't seen much of him. But it's all through the draft. That's the way they're doing it. And these teams, you can tell which teams know their shit from how they evaluate the, this talent and how they acquire this talent um, and how they develop this talent. So I, I think it's it's great news for the NBA. It's good that the Sixers are actually a relevant team. It's looking like they'll make the playoffs for the first time in, in a billion years. So yeah, um, um, it's yeah, good to see. It, it is. Yeah, it, it is good to see that. And the only the only thing I'm, I just want to touch on that you said. With Embiid, yeah, like health health has been good this year, but they are still being cautious with his load management. Um, Got to manage that load, baby. Like he's been, oh god, he's been he's been playing like more, you know, like he's they've been getting him in there more. Last night, I think he played like 34, 35 minutes, which to have that that stat line in thirty five is insane. Um, Monday night against the Clippers, he played uh, thirty six minutes, so he, he's playing more. They're getting him more in there, and it's looking like he he's healthier. It's but you know. You never, never want to count your chickens too early. You know, it's um, it's a lot. But anyway, let, let's move on. But first, I think you butchered uh, that. I think you butchered that expression. Yeah, I think I did too. But you know, hey, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, okay. takes one to know one. You know, <laughs> takes one to know. You should subtly mess those yeah. expressions up too. Just stay consistent. I'm just saying, man. You takes know, two, trying to no one, two birds, you know? trying to trying to kill two birds with one stone. You know, trying to kill one bear with two stones. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just saying. You know, you, you know, you're the apple in my eye. Anyway, um, yeah, before we move on, um, we had the Cortica broadcast last weekend. A lot of listeners it was great. This is our, the final football broadcast this weekend. Connor and myself are going down to Delaware for Ithaca. They're playing Salisbury in a bowl game, the uh, White Law Bowl game. It should be a great one. Tune in, WICB.org, 91.7 FM if you're locally in the Ithaca area. But it should be um, one hell of a game, and it's one last broadcast. It'll be a little emotional one, but, you know, to go to a D1 facility to broadcast football will be a um, will be an awesome time. But let's get Delaware. into – Delaware was uh, the first – Delaware was the first state in the union, and they also introduced taxes. Fun fact for you. Sorry, go on. Thanks. And Joe Flacco went to Delaware too. If and and Joe Biden, Joe Biden, he was in Delaware. Yeah, he does. That's a good point. Um, Louis C.K. When I found out about this, I immediately thought of you. I, I I know how much you um you love this guy. So just take take us really through what happened because I kind of know. I know it involves masturbation in front of people. I don't really know the uh, too much of it, but I want to get your thoughts and your opinion of him and how it uh, affects it as you uh, move forward. So what what I read about this was this has been this has been rumored for a while apparently in the comedy community. Um, it all sends back to about I think it was two thousand five, two thousand three, two thousand five. Uh, he was at an Aspen Comedy Festival, and there were two female comedians that he invited. But the people don't realize Louis C.K. has been a really big name in comedy before he ever. Uh, was well known as a stand-up. He was the head writer for the Dana Carvey show. He's the head writer for the Chris Rock show. He was a writer on Conan O'Brien. He uh, obviously directed Pootie Tang. Who could forget? And um, and and he had Lucky Lou at that point as well. So he was a well-known guy and well-respected for sure. He, people knew that he was brilliant before he ever really made it uh, mainstream. So these two, he invited these two female comics up to his room. 
and he proceeded to to masturbate in front of both of them and just started doing it without them really responding. They say in the room, he finished, you know, whatever. And they left and the rumor circulated. And apparently he had done this uh, a couple times. Um, New York Times came out, or the New Yorker came out with an article, one of those two sources, I'll try to figure that out. Um, pretty much detailing everything that happened. And it has completely ruined, tarnished his, his, his image right now. Um, he had a new movie coming out called I Love You, Daddy, which was completely shelved. HBO cut all ties with him. Netflix cut all ties with him. Uh, they, they canceled his upcoming special. I think they took off Louis from, from Netflix. Um, so this, com- this, this is kind of changes complete reputation. Uh, and, and people are attacking him in the midst of, of this, um, I don't know what you would call it, this, this exposure, this... There's a word for it that starts with an R. I can't. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But this reckoning, this reckoning. So, my initial reaction was just disappointment. Louis C.K. If you know me, if you know me personally, if you're a friend of mine, if you're family, you know that Louis C.K. is kind of like my personal hero, um, or, or at least was. He's someone who I, I think is the greatest comic to ever live. I think that he he's a brilliant talent. I still think that and that opinion's not going to change because of the scandal, because the reality is he is. Uh, that's, that's just for me, he is. Um, but but the fact that he did this is extremely disappointing. Uh, and it just, it really sucks that someone that you, you've looked up to really since I was like 12 years old, 13 years old, since I saw uh, his first stand special on, 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 net, on uh, HBO, I... You know, it's been it, – it, it's kind of uh, murdering my childhood. It has to happen, though. That's the reality. If someone uses their power like that, it's disgusting, and it's something that evidently has gone on in Hollywood forever, and it's starting to become exposed, rightfully so, and it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, but it, it still doesn't change the fact that it sucks that that this is coming out, that, that I have rooted for – guy that said that said um i i don't think that he's as much of a bad person as he is someone with a problem i think he's an impulsive guy who has a really bad problem with with just with with what he did with with just sexuality in general and he couldn't control himself um i don't think it was a conscious effort from what i read to be like, I have power over you. I'm going to do this. I think he's just an impulsive guy who had to, to feed his habit. And and he did it at the expense of other people. I'm not excusing what he did at all. There's zero excuse for it. Um, but I, I I don't think that he's necessarily a bad person. I think he, he just honestly has a really bad problem. And I think that there is an opportunity to learn from this. There is an opportunity to to improve as a person from this from his perspective this isn't harvey weinstein i don't think it's fair to clump him in with harvey weinstein or kevin spacey because he never is accused uh, of raping anyone he's never accused of putting his hands on anyone he just did something in front of people that's inexcusable that is is traumatic for for the people who had to witness it um but i think he will come back i don't think this is the end of his career and i think he'll probably lay low for maybe a year or two but this isn't the end. I, I think he's too too great of a talent for people to just push him away, um, especially given the circumstances. 
And I hope he comes out and I hope that, that people can learn from this and that instead of him being, um, being, you know, completely shunned from Hollywood because of this, it's a learning experience for people. And, and he's kind of a cautionary tale more so. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you never like to hear, especially from guys that are this influential. Like you have Kevin Spacey a couple weeks ago who everyone just, you, everyone just really ultimately loved. And Louis C.K. was under that category as well. I'm not saying it's more sad because of the guy that people like that much, but I, I guess I kind of am, you know? It's it's a really rough situation, and I'm not quite sure if he'll come back from it, but, you know, only, like, time will tell, something like that. Yeah, it's it's all. And I don't know if you saw today, Al Franken was a, is the next person who's been exposed for no sexually way. assaulting a, a radio show host in uh, Los Angeles a number of years ago. Um, Is he like a a congressman now? He's a senator. He's a senator in Minnesota. Um, So I I, this is another thing I have a problem with, though. I I think that there's a lot of hypocrisy and there's a lot of people in entertainment who are coming out and being like, this needs to stop now. And a lot of them are men who have been uh, kind of letting it happen for years and they're acting like they're they're social justice warriors now. Like you, you were part of a problem in in a way by staying quiet, and the whole entertainment industry is part of the problem because they've enabled these people. Look at Roman Polanski, pedophilia. Like that's that's a legitimate thing. He won an Oscar after that. He's lived in France. He has not returned to the United States. Like that guy has still been celebrated for doing this stuff. Mike Tyson went to prison for rape. He is a cartoon out right now. On, car, on on Cartoon Network, and he's been celebrated by so many people in the past decade. Like this is the reality. The only reason that this is coming out now is because it's the trendy thing to do. Which you know what? It's better that than nothing at all. But there is a problem that needs to be called called out, and it's a popularity contest where where people in Hollywood, if they make money, they're excused from doing whatever you, whatever they want. And and. Yeah, that's brutal. And Harvey Weinstein, it was known for years that he was a predator is known for years that he was a scumbag and an animal. And it was excused because he had so much influence and power. And right now, there's so many people in Hollywood who are coming out and saying this is unacceptable. Like, like, screw off. You are you are an enabler in a way. A lot of these people who are coming out and acting outraged like it is a complete. A, com- a complete shit show all the way around. It needs to happen. It's great, but I think we need to look back at, and, and reflect at, at the people who enabled this type of thing to happen and gave all these people a platform. That doesn't mean that 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 everyone's to blame. I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily. I just think that there there's a lot of people who are hopping on the bandwagon for the sake of 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 taking advantage of of you know improving their own image, and it's disingenuous. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think it's a good thing overall, but you know, we're just living in really shitty times. That's that's the yeah, that's the awful. I, I hate people that try to reap benefits, like come out and like speak against it when they knew it happened all along. Like that, that's just inexcusable to me. Yeah. So, those are my thoughts on it. I, I think Louis C.K. will come out eventually, and he will resurface. And I hope, I hope for the sake of of moving this whole thing forward that he can speak out and maybe become an advocate against doing this type of stuff and not play the victim. I, you know, I, I know people get a bad taste in their mouth and people are like when people use the, I have a problem card, but I think he does have a problem. I think it's more of that than, than him being a bad person. That's just the vibe I get. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a huge fan of his work, 
Um, but I don't know. I, I look at it as someone who has a really bad problem and who didn't really have any empathy for other people, which is a problem in itself. So we'll see where this ends up. We'll see who else comes out of the woodworks, what, what other things circulate. Because it seems like every week there's two or three people being exposed. Um, and this is far from over. But that's going to do it. Any any final thoughts, John? Um, no, just uh, have a have a good Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, and we'll try to do let's try to do a show maybe the Friday after Thanksgiving. We'll figure that out yeah. uh, when the time sure. comes. Um, but for John Sokolov and Alex Lobos, thanks for tuning into the John Lebo Show. We'll try to be back next week. If not, we'll take the week off for Thanksgiving, but we'll keep you posted on Twitter.